Would you join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for the partnership that we have as part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance movement. Thank you, Lord, for the great things happening stateside and the great things happening all across the globe and that we see your hand at work, that it's not contrived, it's not something that has been manufactured uh, by men and women. It is something, Lord, that you're moving and we're following. And so I pray that you would show us here in Roseburg this morning uh, what you uh, being encouraged by your word and what being encouraged by your work, how that should change the way that we live today. And maybe even we might be prompted to be more involved in your global work. Lord, thank you for the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. It's great to be here with you this morning. I uh, come from San Diego, as Nathan said. Last week we had rain almost all week. And so it's good to see the sunshine. Uh, which is a little bit of a change. Usually when I'm up in this area, particularly Portland, uh, Seattle, don't see the sun much at this time, but uh, thanks for having a great week and welcoming me with the sun. Um, I uh, live in San Diego. I do travel for the Christian Missionary Alliance. My wife, Anne, and I served 25 years in Peru and Ecuador and saw God do some phenomenal things as God built his church there throughout the continent of Latin America. And uh, we now live in San Diego, and uh, this is a glimpse of my family, uh, Anne. I've been married for 43 years this month to Anne. We have two kids, uh, Kim and Matt, and four grandkids. And I think, as you can see, these are probably the most beautiful grandkids in the world, right? <laughs> Some of you would argue with me, but uh, I would put up a good fight with you. So uh, it's good to be here when we know uh, God is here, and He wants to speak to us this morning. And I'd like to share a, mission, a uh, message with you called uh, On Mission with God, On Mission with God. And let me just uh, pause in prayer again, and let's pray that God will invade this space. Father, we're here because we need you. We expect you to speak. We thank you that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And I pray as I share that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher. I also pray that you would awaken us. And I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. And that your word would go forth with clarity. We want you to know that we love you today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember these words? Your mission, if you choose to accept it. Uh, what TV show or movie are those words, uh, did those words start, the movie or the TV show? Mission Impossible, okay? These, uh, th those words are, are always at the beginning, your mission if you choose to accept it. Uh, those are Mission Impossible. Now, those are the words that opened the uh, words of the TV show in the 1960s and the movies that we've recently seen come out. The storyline of the movie is that there's a highly trained group of operatives that are given an impossible mission to accomplish somewhere around the world. We follow them through daring adventures as they overcome impossible odds and uh, work to fulfill their mission. I love the epic uh, motorcycle scenes of Tom Cruise as he uh, does phenomenal things on the motorcycle. And then, of course, he's always there's a scene where he's always hanging off the skids of a helicopter as he tries to accomplish the mission that he's been given. And in the end, they always accomplish the mission. This morning, I want to look at God's mission and how he has asked us to partner with him 
to accomplish a mission that is impossible unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, given over to God working through us. So first, let me share with you that God is on a rescue mission. God's mission is to rescue people from every tribe, language, people group. God wants every, everyone, everywhere to have an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and what he did through his resurrection. You see, it's the unifying theme of the Bible. Sometimes when we look at the Bible, we think of Old Testament and New Testament, and we don't get the connect between them. We see a lot of stories in the Old Testament, and we wonder how they relate to the New. And yet there is a unifying theme throughout the Old and the New Testament. And the theme is that God wants to be glorified. He wants His name to be made famous around the world. And that's the theme that runs through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me take you on a quick tour of that theme. Starting in Genesis, I promise, it'll only take about three minutes, and we'll read a few scriptures that take us through that theme. Genesis 18.18, this is about Abraham. Abraham was chosen by God, and through Abraham, God was going to create a people uh, of Israel, and through Israel, the Messiah would eventually come. In the the New Testament, we read that. And so in Genesis 18.18, Abraham receives three promises in these verses. The promise that his offspring would be more numerous than the stars. The promise that he would give it, be given a promised land to live. And then third, this promise, the promise that he would bless all people. It says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And that came through Jesus, who came through Abraham, David, and through the line of David, and he became the Messiah. In First Chronicles 16:24, you won't see the words up here. I was in my devotional time this morning, and these words uh, God highlighted to me. First uh, Chronicles 16:24 says, "Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous work among all the peoples. Declare His glory among the nations, all His marvelous work among all the peoples." So God wants to be made famous throughout the world. And then you get to the last book, well, first uh, Matthew, and there's a, there's a portion in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus is speaking, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world to the testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So again, you see the theme of nations running throughout. And a lot of times when you see that word nations, it's actually the word peoples in the Bible. And so he's saying, God wants to be made famous. He wants to be glorified through all the peoples of the world and through all the nations. And then we arrive on our tour of the unifying theme of the Bible. We come to the very last book, the book of Revelation. And there it's a scene before the throne. God is seated on his throne. There are people all around. There are multitudes before him. And the angels are proclaiming his glory. And you read these words that are the fulfillment of the plan of God. And they sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain, Jesus, you died. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Again, that unifying theme. God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless the nations through you. And then he says in Psalms, may the peoples praise you, may all the peoples praise you. And then you get to the last book of the Bible and you see the fulfillment of people from every tribe and language and people and nation.
God's heart breaks for people who are lost here and everywhere. Why? Why is God so big on his name being proclaimed among the nations? Well, it's because of his great heart that wants to save people from their lostness. What does it mean to be lost? You see, the Bible teaches that without Jesus, we're all lost. That means we're disconnected from God. We can't find our way back to him. And we need a savior, a rescuer who comes. And that rescuer is Jesus who died and took our sin on the cross. And when we receive Jesus, we become found. (laughs) And we become part of his family. And so um, God doesn't want want anyone to be lost. What's it mean to be lost practically? You ever been lost? Uh, I can say there have been a couple times when I'd say I was kind of lost. We lived in Latin America, and many times in our travels by car, uh, there are not a lot of good road signs in Latin America. You know, here I can look on the highway and it tells me where to go, where I'm, where I'm heading. But uh, I remember we used to go every week after Christmas. We would drive down to the beach from the mountains, and we would drive down to the shores of Ecuador to the, to the beach. And I remember the first time we did it. Uh, we drove into a little small town, and as we drove into this small town, I had no idea where I was at, okay? I knew I was headed in the right direction. Well, we got into the main square of the town, and I was looking for someone because, you know, when you get lost, there was no GPS at that time. And so I swallowed my pride as a man, and I went up to the first person on the corner, and I said, can you tell me how the directions to get to the beach? This is an older man. He gave me a complicated explanation of how to get to the beach. And when he finished, I said, thank you, and drove to the next block. And I turned to my wife and said, he has no idea how to get to the beach. You see, in Ecuador, they're very simpatico. That means they're very nice. And uh, they will never tell you they don't know. They will always tell you something to encourage you on your journey. (laughs) And so that's what he was doing. He was encouraging me. Uh, I pulled up to the next corner. There was a younger man there. And I said, can you tell me the directions, how to get to the beach? And he said, take a right here, then take the next left, and you'll hit the Panamericana Highway, turn right, and you'll end up at the beach. There was one moment there when I didn't know how to get back to Ecuador or or back to Quito, and I didn't know how to get to the beach. That's called being lost. You see, that's how we are. Until Jesus comes into our lives, the Bible teaches that we don't know how to find our way to God. We try, we fill our lives with all kinds of stuff. We'll go to church. We try to do good works and good things, but we never know if we've done enough good to actually be accepted by God. And then steps into the story, Jesus. And Jesus takes our sins on the cross. And he says, come to me. As many as received me, to them he gave the right, the power, to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name, John says in his gospel. You see, that's what, why God is so concerned that everyone have an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. God's heart breaks for the nations. But I want to tell you beyond that this morning that not only does God's heart break for the nations, but God includes us in his mission of seeing lost people all over the world become part of his family. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we read these words. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus tells us, as followers of Jesus, to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, the word nations here is not the word for nation states. The word nations is the word ethne. The word ethne means ethnic or peoples. And so Jesus is saying, go to all the peoples all over the world. Those who are my disciples, that's what the, 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 uh, the mission I've given you. Go and share the gospel. That begins here. And then we take it around the world. And he says, I will be with you. He doesn't ask us to do the mission for him. He asks us to do the mission with him. As we go, he is with us. But there's another verse that also is kind of our marching orders, and that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you read these words, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So again, he gives us our marching orders. Start in Jerusalem, he said to the disciples. Go to Judea, not very far away. Go to Samaria, a little farther away, people a little more different than you. And then go to the ends of the earth and take the good news, the gospel, to everyone. Now, he's not saying that this is a chronological timeline for reaching the nations. He's not saying... Go to Jerusalem, and once everyone in Jerusalem hears the good news, then you can go to Judea. Once everyone in Judea hears, then you go to Samaria. Once everyone in Samaria hears, then you go to the ends of the earth. No. This is a simultaneous command. It's an and, and, and command. He said, take the gospel of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth simultaneously all at once. And he's called us, his church, to do that. Now that starts... In Roseburg, he wants you to take the good news that you've heard about what Jesus has done, and he wants you to take it to your family and to your neighbors and to those that you work with. Now, he doesn't want you to be weird about it, okay? We think we have to uh, have a great presentation prepared. We think that uh, we, we can't talk about secular things. We can't talk about sports and other things. We just need to hammer them with the gospel, okay? I want to tell you today that God wants you to be his child, a natural person who shares as you walk through life and, uh, and just shares what Jesus has done for you and share the good news that Jesus has come and that he wants to bring life to those who follow him. So he asks us to take the good news to different people, to people starting in Roseburg, but then taking it around the world. You see, the mission of God is that we share the good news with the nations beginning in our neighborhood while simultaneously partnering to reach the whole world. And to do this, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He tells us in this verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's no way we can complete this task without the power of the Holy Spirit on His church to go around the world. You see, God brings us into his family so that we, he can send us out to the world. So, how are we doing at completing this mission? The mission of God is that everyone have an opportunity to hear about his son Jesus and they have an opportunity to become part of his family. So, how are we doing? I have good news and I have bad news. You've heard those jokes. I won't tell you one this morning. But let me share first starting with the bad news. And I call it the heartbreaking news. There are still over three billion people around the world 
who are unreached with the gospel. The theme of Alliance Missions is gospel access for and from all people. We want to take the gospel to those places where they have not heard about Jesus Christ. The vast majority of those unreached people live in an area of the world that we've nicknamed the 1040 window. The 1040 window is simply a word term used to describe a region of the world within 10 and 40 degrees latitude as you look at a map from Western Africa to Eastern Asia. Of the more than 3 billion people who are lost without Jesus, 97% of those people live in this part of the world or right near this part of the world. There are still about 4,000 people groups that are totally unreached and have no church or very few believers that we know of in those people groups. The good news is that the Alliance, 80% of our workers are in this area of the world. They're in the 1040 window or in those areas just nearby the 1040 window. And I want to tell you that God is on the move. I want to encourage you this morning. Sometimes we think, uh, we hear about Uh, the advance of Islam. We hear about uh, other religions growing. And I want to tell you that God is on the move. He's completing His mission. He's drawing people to Himself from every people. And He's completing the mission that we'll see, that we saw in Revelation, of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation before Him. So, let me share a little bit of the good news. Roseburg Alliance is part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, We are a, a family of churches about 2,000 churches within the United States. This morning, there are about 500,000 people that are worshiping in different churches all around the United States. But we're much larger than that uh, outside of the United States. In fact, when you add the United States, those of us who are gathered this morning, with those around the world, we are 6 million people in Alliance fellowships that are worshiping God this morning in over 22,000 churches around the world. Now, when we go in, we share the gospel, people come to faith, we organize them into communities of faith, into small churches or house churches, and then we link those together in a network of churches in the country. And we call that the National Church of Peru or Ecuador. Uh, This morning, we're part of the National Church of the United States. And we have about uh, uh, 60 national churches that are working together around the world. There are about 6,300,000 people part of our fellowships. Um, what do you think is the largest national church of the Alliance? What would your guess be? The, the United States? No. The largest church is the Democratic Republic of Congo. This weekend, there are 1,500,000 people in that country who are gathered in Alliance fellowships worshiping God. God has done some phenomenal things there. The second largest national church is in the country of Vietnam. Imagine that. In 1973, we had 60,000 believers in villages and, and cities around Vietnam. In 1973, we had to leave that country. The United States had to pull out. And when they did, we began to wonder what would happen to those 60,000 people? What would happen to God's church under communism? And I want to share that missionaries left, Holy Spirit stayed. And God began to work, and He began to draw people to Himself. This morning, there are 1,200,000 people in North and South Vietnam that call themselves part of the Alliance family and are sharing their faith and worshiping God, just as we are today. God is on the move. He's drawing people to Himself, and He's building His church. He's accomplishing His mission around the world. But let me take you in a few other places. 
The Christian Missionary Alliance began back in 1898. We're about 130 years old, more or less. And uh, as it began, it began by Dr. A.B. Simpson, who was a pastor of a Presbyterian church. He was preaching uh, in a large church in New York City, but he got a burden for Italian immigrants who were, had come through Ellis Island, had come in and found jobs uh, working in the ports in uh, New York City. And so he would go down with a few other people from his church and share the gospel with these immigrants, these Italian immigrants. And one by one, people came to faith in Jesus. As he shared, it was amazing what God did. About 50 people were ready to be baptized. Dr. Simpson went to the board of the church and he said, uh, these 50 people are ready to be baptized. Uh, We want to do this next Sunday. And his church board said, we don't want them in our church. (laughs) We don't want them in our church. And so when he said that, Dr. Simpson said, if you don't want them, you don't want me. (laughs) And so he he resigned that Sunday and left the church, and he began meeting on the docks of New York City. And that eventually became the Gospel Tabernacle in New York City of the Alliance. And from there, the Alliance has spread over these 130 years and uh, has gone around the world. We're now in 90 countries around the world. Uh, People form part of the Alliance family. But that continues. That heart for the downtrodden, for those who are displaced, continues in the Alliance among uh, refugee ministries around the world. In Syria... We had 15 churches. We now have less than 10 churches uh, after what's happened there. But in the city of Damascus, we have a national church or a a local church. And there, the the pastor is sharing the gospel. You see, there are more displaced people within the country of Syria than there are outside the country. There are more people displaced within than outside. And so many of them have come to Damascus. And our church has opened its, its doors to many Muslim people. In fact, we have founded a school there for 150 children who otherwise would not have education. And through them, people are coming to faith in Jesus. In the northern part of Iraq, there are others who fled up there. There's a group called the Yazidi. You may remember about three or four years ago, they were targeted by ISIS for extinction. And they had to flee up into the northern part of Iraq. And as they got there, we had workers there. And we gave out heaters for the winter. We gave out uh, blankets. We gave emergency food supplies. And through that, a small number of people have come to know Jesus as their Savior. You go down into the country of Jordan. And again, many have fled into Jordan. There's a city called Mafraq. There are 100,000 Syrians who have fled down into that city just over the border. And we have a small church there. And the national pastor said, I don't know what we can do, but we've got to do something. And so he began reaching out. And let me tell you, this was a change for the national church. Why? They have been persecuted by Muslims. Uh, They've lost their jobs because they're not Muslim. Uh, Many of them have uh, been threatened by family when they turn to Jesus. And so this is a profound change when there's a heart change to reach out to Muslims. In fact, my cousin who worked in Jordan for a while was telling me he met with some national leaders from different churches. And as they were sharing... uh, my cousin said, we, uh, we explained that we have to reach these people. They're lost. They're not going to be in heaven unless they come to know Jesus. And one of the, uh, one of the Christian believers there stood up and said, well, uh, if they're lost, that's exactly how they should be. <laughs> because God had to change their hearts 
because of all the persecution they'd gone through. Well, in that area in Mafrak, we now have a small church that has grown to a couple hundred. They've built a, a building in that city, and they've welcomed in refugees, Muslim refugees. And today we have a church of about 200 people, and they've given uh, supplies. They started a school for 200 children in that city. God is on the move. And in Germany, you've heard about those fleeing up into Europe. Well, we've embraced them. You see, we can't send international workers to Syria anymore, but we definitely can send international workers to Europe. And so we're reaching them where God is sending them. And as they're there in Germany, in Berlin, we opened what's called the Lighthouse. And at the Lighthouse, again, we, they teach German, they teach English, they give out uh, uh, emergency supplies. And we've just heard of two families that have come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of that. God is on the move. But God is also on the move in Africa. You heard about the, Dominic, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, a million five hundred thousand in alliance churches. Right beside it is a small country called the Republic of Congo. And in that country, there are still resistant and unreached people groups. We are working among one group called the Vili. Among the Vili, this is a group that passes on their traditions and uh, their, their values through stories. They don't read a lot, although they do have an alphabet and the New Testament is in their language. But we've been working with them for about seven or eight years. It's a very resistant group. Very few people have, have come to faith in Jesus. About two years ago, our workers were praying, and in a time of prayer, they said, God, we, we just need to know, how can we have a breakthrough with these people? And so in prayer, God reminded them that this is a storytelling culture. And so they decided they would begin writing stories and telling stories from the Old Testament all the way up to the life of Christ. And so they did. They wrote a story about Abraham from the Bible. Then they went to Joseph, and then they came to David. And then they got to the life of Christ, to his death and his resurrection. And they wrote these in story form to be told orally. They trained two Vili men who were believers. And then last year, they went to 11 villages to tell stories. They would go into the village... And they would say, they would go door to door and say, or hut to hut, and say to people, listen, we're going to be in the main square at 4 o'clock. We're going to be telling stories. We invite you to come. In these areas, there are no movie theaters. And so this was a big deal. And so people would come out, and they would be seated there waiting to hear these stories. We went into 11 villages. And I want to share with you, as the stories were told, over 200 men and women gave their lives to Jesus Christ last year. Among the Vili people. God has started a movement among the Vili. And he's drawing people to himself. And we now have uh, small churches that are growing among the Vili in Africa. God is working and drawing people to himself. But there are other places where, like you heard today, Long Beach. There are other places where they come one by one and it's very slow. Um, we have a team in Portugal, in the city of Porto. Now, you wouldn't think of Europe as being an unreached area, but it is. You remember the gospel spread to Europe centuries ago. The churches grew. They built churches. Many of those churches are now empty. There are less than 2% evangelical believers in many of those countries, and they're unreached. And so in Portugal, there's about 90% that are call themselves Roman Catholic, but only about 10% of those people ever go to church. And so they're nominal Catholics. They never go to church. They're not religious. They're very secular. So we have a team there reaching out and building relationships. One of our international team members, uh, his name is Mike. 
And Mike uh, went there. He began building relationships with young men. He came across a group of young men who formed a American football club, okay? And so they play other American football clubs around Portugal and in other countries nearby. And so the, one of the young men got to talking with Mike and asked Mike if he'd ever played football. And Mike said, yeah, I, uh, uh, I played football in high school. And they said, would you be our coach? <laughs> and so, so he's now the coach of the American football club in Porto. So Mike began building relationships. He had barbecues for the young men. He shared his faith at different times. But no one responded. About a year ago, no, about four months ago, he received a call from one of his football players. And the young man said, I've got a friend. He's older than I am. He was in the hospital. He said he had pneumonia and he had a hole in his lung. And the prognosis was not good. He said while he was there, he found a little small Bible on his stand beside his bed. And he picked up that New Testament and he began to read. And he read about how Jesus healed people over and over and over again. And he said he cried out to God in desperation and said, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you still do this stuff. (laughs) But he said, God, if you do, would you touch me and make me well? He walked out of the hospital the next day well. God did a miracle. (laughs) He got home and he called his football playing friend. And he said, listen, I have no idea what happened. This is really weird, what I'm going to tell you. But he said, something happened when I prayed to God. And he said, do you know anybody who talks about Jesus? (laughs) And the, the young man said, my football coach talks about Jesus a lot. And so they put him into contact with each other. Mike and Ruth went to their home. He presented the gospel to this man who had been healed, to his wife and to his 15-year-old daughter, and all three of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ. They've since been baptized, and they meet on Sunday mornings now in a group of 15 people. That's a growing group in Portugal that's beginning to share the gospel with others. God is building his church one by one around the world, and you're a part of that. But there's one other area I'd like to share with you, and that's something that's happening in in Eastern Europe. God is on the move in a country in Eastern Europe, and I want you to see the video of what God is doing. Tremendous. God is on the move. He's drawing people to himself. Did you hear? I had a dream the night before I was to meet with this man. And when I looked in and when I came to the door, the national church pastor was the person in my dream. God had prepared his heart. God loves people all around the world and is going to great lengths so that they can come to know Jesus as their Savior. He said, it's been over 400 years before anyone in our village had come to know know, know Jesus. He knows of no one else who ever knew Jesus in his lifetime. And yet God is on the move. People are coming to Jesus, and lives are being changed. Well, the question is, how can we be a part of that? Well, I think there are three ways. First, you can pray. As you pray, God moves, and he breaks the hard ground up, Uh, of spiritual resistance around the world. One international worker wrote, prayer is God's divine spiritual soil improvement strategy. Spiritual soil improvement strategy. As you pray, you have a part in what's happening in that country in Eastern Europe. You have a part in what's happening among the Vili in Africa. God moves in a phenomenal way as we pray. But then also we can invest to send workers around the world. You see, the Christian Missionary Alliance, we have a a global fund called the Great Commission Fund. 
We send our workers through that global fund. All of our churches in the Alliance in the United States contribute toward that as people give. And I want to tell you, the stories you heard this morning, those are your stories. Because you've given here at Roseburg Alliance Church, we've been able to send workers around the world to places like this country and Eastern Europe. And as they do, the church is founded and people's lives are transformed. Thank you for giving. Last year, Roseburg Alliance gave over $26,000 to Alliance Missions. And with that that you gave, combined with what others gave, we were able to send over 700 workers around the world to share the gospel. Thank you for giving. And then finally, you can respond to go. You can go in different ways. You can go short-term, and I know that you send groups to different places short-term. We have 22 sites around the world that receive short-term groups and uh, connect you with what's happening in those locations around the world. So we invite you to do that. We also have something called Envision. Envision is our midterm and short-term sending. And so we send interns for three months to two years to different places around the world. In fact, uh, two years ago, uh, there was a 72-year-old man who came to us and said, I want to do something for God. I'm retired. I've got uh, some money. I can go. And so where, where can I go? And so he was sent to northern Iraq, to Kurdistan. He worked for two years serving coffee in our coffee shop, building relationships with people, and saw people come to faith in Jesus. So God wants to use you through prayer, through giving, and through responding to go. You know, my wife and I, uh, around Christmas time, she has a practice of uh, doing a puzzle. So the week before Christmas, she pulls out this puzzle and puts it on a table. Now, there are puzzle people and there are not puzzle people. Okay, I'm not a puzzle person. And so I'll walk by while she's working on the puzzle. And if I see a piece that jumps out at me and says, it goes here, then I pick it up and put it in. But that very seldom happens. Uh, But one thing I do is that uh, when she's away from the table, I'll walk by the table and I'll pick a piece of the puzzle up and put it in my pocket. (laughs) For those of you who are puzzle people, you know that that is a no-no, okay? You live to put in the last piece of the puzzle. And so it'll come down. She knows what's happening now after doing this several times. And she'll get down to two or three pieces and she calls me Billy and she'll say, Billy, cough it up. I need that last piece of the puzzle. And I'll give her the piece, and she'll put it in, and the puzzle will be complete. Well, I want to tell you, when that last person in the last people group gives their lives to Jesus Christ, the puzzle will be complete. God's mission will be completed. There will be no more need for international workers, for missionaries to be sent out. Jesus will come, he says in his word, when the puzzle is complete. And you can have a part in that. As you share the gospel with your neighbors in Roseburg, you're putting a piece of the puzzle in. As you give so that people can go to the Vili people in Africa, you're putting a piece of the puzzle in. And who knows when that last piece will go in and Jesus will return. You see, the Great Commission is too big to do alone and it's too important not to do together. So let me ask you, Or let me challenge you with these words at the end this morning. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, 
is to take the gospel to all people in all places around the world and to make God famous. Let's pray. Father, we glorify you today. What a great God you are. You are worthy to receive praise and honor and glory. And one day, we will be before the throne where you will be exalted and glorified. And there will be people from Peru and Ecuador. And there will be people from the Vili tribe. And there will be people from this country in Eastern Europe. And they'll be standing shoulder to shoulder with us with hands lifted high, saying, Worthy are you, O God. We long for that day. And we pray that you would help us to be faithful to the mission. Would you help us to say, Yes, Jesus, Amen. Whatever you want, may you be glorified throughout the earth. I pray this in Jesus' name.